Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Lost is like a reality show, right? <laughs> no. It was more real than anything else I was watching on TV. Oh. The only way I know how to tell truth is through fiction. <laughs> All right, well, let's make a podcast. Uh, welcome to Feeling It, episode 14, the big one four. Uh, we've got a lot of fun ahead of us today. First, we're going to talk about what we're feeling this week, telling you about the books or movies or podcasts or websites that have our attention today. Then we'll cover some pop culture news. And finally, we'll move into a discussion of Stranger Things, the newest Netflix original series from the Duffer Brothers. But before things get eerie, let's introduce the voices who are coming into your head today. And let's do that by answering the question, which reality show from uh, longer ago than 10 years was your favorite? So let's start with you, Sandra. Who are you? I'm Sandra Omstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, mine was Celebrity Mole. What about you, Lawson? I'm Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and I think the only reality show I ever consistently watched was Survivor for the first two nice. seasons. What about you, Lucas? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and 10 years ago would be 2006, and that was the first year of Top Chef. And my name is Brent Bailey. I work in tech in Chicago, Illinois, and I write about faith and pop culture online. And when I was in middle school, I was absolutely obsessed with the original version of The Mole. Uh, definitely binged the celebrity editions too, but uh, the original will always be nearest and dearest to my heart. Well, Eric Von Detten will always be nearest and dearest to my heart, and he <laughs> was the star of Celebrity Fair. Mole. Indeed. All right, well, let's move right into what we're feeling this week. Lawson, what's got your attention this week? Sure. So this week, um, a series of videos by comedian James Veach has my attention. Have any of you guys heard of him before? He's done a TED Talk in the past. No, I haven't. Me neither. Okay, yeah. So um, in his TED Talk, he talks about how... um, he gets a lot of scam email and kind of got this idea one day to start replying to it. Uh, and the talk that he goes through is completely hilarious. And he has since then got into a deal with Mashable.com uh, to make videos every time that he gets one of these emails that goes on a good long chain. And I've been loving them for weeks now, but he just released a new one, so I feel like it's okay for me to talk about finally. Um, so basically the premise of these videos is that, uh, James Veach signs up for every newsletter, every like limited time offer, every, everything just kind of gets his email address out there so that he can bait as many scammers and get his email on as many lists as possible. And then whenever he gets fraudulent, like scam emails in rather than deleting them, he replies to them and, uh, tries to get a a funny situation going for his own amusement. And I don't know if it's good or bad. Like, I feel like it comes from a good place, my enjoyment of this. Like, I don't like that there's people out there deceiving people and taking advantage of the elderly or the unsuspecting, and I'm glad that, you know, turnabout's fair play. Like, but I don't... don't, Maybe maybe I shouldn't (laughs) take joy in this, but I definitely do. So, um, rather than talk too much about it up top, I'll just play y'all a little clip from one of these videos. 
It said, I need your help. My family and I made an unannounced trip to Manila, as we all, we all do. And he said he'd got nothing left on him except his passport. He said he could use his passport as a verification at a Western Union outlet. <gasps> Surprise. He said, all I need now is $3,000. I said, of course, Rob, you know I'd do anything for you and Daphne and the twins. But you haven't even asked me about my writing. Last time we spoke, you'd read the first 12 chapters of my novel. What did you think? He said, well, I appreciate every bit of what I read, but I'm not in the mood now for this because we have such a frustrating ordeal. I said, Robbie, you're asking me for three grand, but you can't even tell me what you thought of my novel. I'm beginning to think you just don't care at all. They are so, so funny. And the responses he gets from these people trying to get money out of him bring me nothing but joy and delight. Um, if you are interested, if that kind of thing appeals to you too, um, there's uh, you can find his website at bluffable, B-L-U-F-F-A-B-L-E dot com, and it has like a full transcript of all of his email conversations. Or if you Google Scamalot, you'll get to uh, Mashable Scamalot channel, and I think there's seven episodes. Yeah, that sounds fun. It's really fun. It's really funny. It's really entertaining, and they go quick. Just a nice little highlight for your day. That's really great. I love the name Scamalot. I think... That's brilliance, just at the top of the story. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, excited to, to listen out. to a few more of those. Yeah, his charming British accent does it all. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he's just a jerk. I mean, but I don't... You keep saying that. I don't understand why you think he's a jerk. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, I think I'm like... I don't think he's a jerk at all. I don't think he's doing anything... Like, he's not hurting anyone. Right. And just like whenever... The base of him dis, him going against these people is him like I don't like that people are being deceived and like well you're deceiving too so anyway is he a jerk or not Lawson <laughs> he's not a jerk okay <laughs> I know he's not a it's jerk settled. I just never like anyone to be sad even scammers which is <laughs> a garbage <laughs> impulse because I was even scammed in college which I think is why I think this is so. Like Lawson. particularly amusing. I can totally I see Lawson being scammed. Was it an email scam? <laughs> Is there a YouTube video about it? There's not a YouTube video about it, but I was scammed. Um, there was. I didn't know what Western Union was. Wait. And so I lost three hundred dollars. Wait. But wait, no. Okay, you have. <laughs> yes. And you tell this story on the podcast. I can. Sure. Are okay. you comfortable with it? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. So. Uh, it was back when PlayStation 3s were bra brand new. Oh, no. They were $600. I was 20 years old. Um, maybe 19. I might have been 19. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> Sandra is burying her face in the pillow over here. So I, uh, yeah, I got in touch. I really wanted to get a, a PlayStation 3 and found an online offer for uh, somebody who was selling these, this $600 machine for $300. And so I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what is this real? And he was like, yeah, I have a bulk deal from the distributor or whatever. Like <laughs> he didn't even have to get that technical. I was very gullible. So um, anyway, I he was like, I was, OK, how do I pay you? And he said Western Union. So I went over to the place that did Western Union bringing a check. I just thought it was like a secure service by which to mail checks. So uh, whenever I got there, they're like, oh, we only take cash. And I thought, well, how unfortunate that I have arrived at the one uh, Western Union location that is cash only. Um, let me just drive on over to my local ATM, max out my daily withdrawal amount and get $300 cash. Drive back. I did. And I filled out the form to the guy, send it off. And that evening send an email being like hey just checking in make sure everything went through and i got an email back saying 
there's a oh crap what was it like the, it, there's a customs uh fedex fee it's tied up because of uh shipping weight and you we need to send an additional two hundred dollars um for it to be able to clear customs and get to where you are and in that moment, <laughs> all of the red flags and all of the shadiness oh. up to that point came rushing into my mind with stark clarity. Okay, and I realized what was going on, and I was like, okay, I can't give him any money back. I can't give him any more money, and I have to try to get this money back. In Western Union, you're just wiring somebody money. It's untraceable. There's no way to get it back. And uh, it was, yeah, it was gone. And so I argued with him uh. for a week or two, and it was nothing for it. So anyway. So check out Scam a lot. <laughs> so yeah. check out scam a lot oh, well that's gonna be a sad story so instead of hearing sad stories about gullible 20 year olds having their money taken from them listen to a hilarious prankster giving them a dose of their own medicine at <laughs> scam a lot <laughs> <laughs> alright well thank you for that great recommendation and thank you for that very sad story Lawson uh, Sandra cheer us up Happy with your pick this week Oh, my pickle cheer you up. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, Lucas, you can just be quiet. <laughs> One of my favorite genres of music is like boy band pop music. Now, it's been about eight months since One Direction has put out their most recent album. You don't and, have to tell me. And um, their hiatus has no end in sight. So it's been a while since I've had anything like new to listen to. And this week on my Spotify Discover playlist, um, there was a track from a band I had never heard of called Los Five. Um, they are a band that has a very boy band sound. Um, and I was instantly hooked because this is so my music. Um, I'm going to play a bit of one of my favorite tracks of theirs called uh, Poquito Mas. I need a little more of your life. Can you love around me tonight? I wanna get to know ya un poquito más. I really wanna dance without you. Why don't you stick around for a round two? So baby, let me love you un poquito más. Okay, so Los Five is a Latino band. Um, all of the members are young 20-somethings that were born in either Mexico or Brazil or Argentina and uh, have come together to like make just the poppiest of pop music. Um, some of their songs have a little bit of Spanish in them. Some of them don't. Um, like Poquito Mas. Yes. They're, they have another great <laughs> hit. Poquito of Spanish. They, they have <laughs> yeah. another great hit called Manana, which is just like, <laughs> let's think about this manana. And <laughs> they guys, just have like one word of Spanish in all their songs. They, I promise. Not, I promise we're, we're, I promise we're Latino. I mean, they are. Like, there's no denying it. <laughs> and um, sometimes they'll Lucas have, like... this is the only birther for Los Five. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see some birth certificates. Sometimes they'll have, like, a verse that's also in Spanish. Um, but it's, Ooh, fancy. It's, it's a majority English song. But um, they're really, really fun. They're very attractive, which is, you know, a, like a quality that I respect in a boy band. Um I have a hard time even calling them a boy band, though, because 
to me, a boy band is like when everyone's a vocalist and these actually are like guys who like play instruments and there's just two main vocalists and it's not, you know, uh. like a, just a, sing, a dancing, singing boy band group. But they definitely have a similar sound to One Direction. Like there's no denying like that is one of their biggest influences. Um, I think they're really good and I think they have a lot of great personality and great looks and could become really big if they got the right management. I don't feel like they have, just like from the research I've done this past week on their social media presence and the, the history of how like far they've come, I don't think they have like a great management team behind them, even though the production of their music is at the quality level of someone, of a band that should be a lot more famous than they currently are. Um, so I would love if they grew in popularity and became our One Direction replacement until um, we get something else. So yeah, I'm, I've been really listening. I've been listening to Poquito Mas on repeat for like most of this week. I really love it. They have an EP out that has about like six songs that are all of like the same levels of quality as Poquito Mas. So if, if you <laughs> are one of the few people that like is really into this genre as well, you should definitely check out Los Five. I think you'll enjoy it. And Los Five, if you're listening and you need a social media manager, <laughs> Sandra is available. <laughs> very true. So my biggest question is, are we sure it's Los Five and not, lo, <laughs> Los, Cinco. not Los Cinco? <laughs> that's what I, I was going to say, that, too. That's a good question. But, okay, no, this is why I know it's Los Five, because their EP is titled Los and then F-I-V-E. Oh, okay. Their band name is Los and then the digit five, mm -hmm. but their EP is titled Los Five with the word written out. Ambiguity gone. Yeah. We figured it out. Okay, yeah. mystery solved. All right, Lucas, let's uh, hear from you. And after that little uh, birther conspiracy, your pick this week better be bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, What? so what I'm feeling this week is a YouTube channel called Primitive Technology. Um, it's basically this dude in the middle of the Australian wilderness just putting together, like, a house, bows and arrows, like, a little stone axe, just basically out of stuff that he finds out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he, he has, like, seven or eight or seven or 17 or 18 videos on, on YouTube right now, and each one is just, like, a video of him building this thing. And he doesn't really talk. He's just out in the middle of nowhere, just wearing shorts, no shoes, no shirt, just hanging out in Australia, making stuff. So have you guys seen this? I did not know. Yeah, I watched one of those. Um, he doesn't talk much, but he does have like text on the screen, right? That like gives instructions. Uh, no, no. He, oh. he has a blog that gives a very detailed instruction for each video of like everything he's making. But in the video, it's just clips of him building this stuff. Yeah, primitive technology, fire yeah. sticks. Fire sticks? He does have text on the screen. You're 100% yeah. correct. Yeah, it's just it's just him going through pretty detailed instructions of like how to how to make this stuff. He he builds like a grass hut. He builds um like baskets and bow and arrow and like all kinds of stuff. And and like re more recently he's gone into I think more like intense things. Like he's he built a forge. Uh, just basically out of clay, and he's uh, he's starting to like cast iron stuff. So he's just basically just doing really really primitive stuff in the in the wilderness. He's put together like a sling, and he built this mud hut with a roof and everything like that. And this is he has a normal job, he has a normal life, but this is just what he does in his free time: is go out in the middle of the wilderness and build random crap. So 
But yeah, the video that I watched, um, he was basically showing how to like start a fire with just sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, but in he also like in part of that video, he was like, "There's a bunch of you know clay outside of my hut," and once the fire got started, I was able to see if this clay would form into a bowl if I just like make it and sit it in the fire and like yeah bake it for that long. Um, and so that yeah, that was cool to see like. Um, just from literally sticks and the dirt that's outside, he had a fire and a bowl, like, yeah, ready to go. Yeah. It's interesting, like, seeing his videos, like, over, because I think he's he's been doing this for probably about a year, but, like, his house that he's built out there, this little hut, he's got, now has, like, a thatched roof, and, like, um, he has, like, a chimney and fireplace and all this stuff, so he's just, like, constantly improving his his house out there. It's it's really, it's really cool to, cool to watch. It's not something that's, like... I think practical or anything like that. It's not something that it's not, you're you're not like gaining skills that you'll use out in the wilderness or anything, but it's just really fun to see um, this guy build stuff from nothing. So Lucas, is there something about this series that like charms you in a way that maybe reality television about living in the wilderness does or doesn't? Yeah. Or is it, is it similar or different? I, I think what it is, it's just like one, one, it's just so real. Like, it's not like, he has a team of people out there kind of doing this with him. It's just him and a video camera. Um, and the other thing is, is like, it's super, I, th- I think it's very instructional, which I think is a ton of fun. Like when I was a kid, I would go out in the woods and like pretend I had a house out there and like, you know, play around, but I, I never did anything like this. And I think it's really fun to see someone just kind of increasing my knowledge about all of this, you know, primitive technology that's that that was available at the time and that people just kind of figured out and that he's just out there just figuring all this stuff out, which I think is just really neat. Yeah. So it's fun. So if you're interested in watching a guy, a five minute video of a guy figuring out how to what to do with charcoal, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I will download all of these onto a player for the zombie apocalypse. There you go. There you go. <laughs> How many episodes until he invents a video camera and a computer and an internet connection? (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good question. Very good question. Okay, well, this week, uh, what I'm feeling is a bit of a punt, to be honest. Um, I have not taken in much pop culture in any form because I've been completely consumed with the uh, Republican and Democratic National Conventions. So what I'm going to say this week is that I'm feeling the conventions as well as the NPR Politics podcast, which I finally discovered this week. Um, so yeah, this is kind of fuzzy territory in terms of whether it can, it's considered pop culture or not, but I guess what I want to talk about is my specific experience of taking in these conventions, um, all of which has felt very 2016. Um, so first of all, every bit of the conventions that I've watched over the last couple of weeks has either been streamed live online or caught later on YouTube, which means I could either choose to watch stuff as it was happening or wait to hear which pieces were kind of essential viewing and go back and watch those parts. So, like, watching Hillary um, accept the nomination live was, like, this really amazing historical moment. It made me surprisingly emotional. Um, Whereas other speeches that uh, maybe I didn't know if it was going to be worth watching, I could kind of wait and hear, like, oh, yeah, this is worth hearing. Yeah, this person said something you you definitely don't want to miss. And I don't know if y'all checked out the live feeds, but at one point, or, yeah, at some point, YouTube had, like, a live 360-degree view where you could see the convention live, but you could also spin the camera around wherever you wanted to and you could look what? at the crowd and you could look at the stage and everything. Yeah, it was kind of one of I those told- like, all right, this is the world we're living in kind of moments. I 
totally missed that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, it was a really bad seat, <laughs> so I didn't watch it for very long because the stage was like really far away. Uh, but it was kind of cool. I mean, I have no like no doubt that you'll see that. I'm sure they've already done it for a lot of major events, but just to really feel like you're there because you can actually look around and see what's happening around you. Um, okay, so second, I've been listening to um, two podcasts as I've been watching, one of which is Keeping It 1600, which Sandra um, <laughs> represented on the show uh, a while ago. Uh, and I've also been listening to the NPR Politics podcast. Uh, and both of them have really been helping me kind of understand and interpret everything I'm seeing. Um, Keeping It 1600 feels sort of like a backstage peek from people who have been involved in this world. Um, people who know a lot of kind of inside information and can kind of tell you certain secrets about like, well, this is what that actually means, or um, this is something you might not know about this person. Whereas um, NPR politics um, definitely feels like an NPR podcast. It's very polished. It's very balanced. Um, it is um, really smart. They offer a lot of good analysis. It's really well produced. So both have, have been really helpful perspectives and voices, um, kind of helping me to understand the significance of everything that's happening. Um, NPR Politics is normally a weekly podcast, but for the conventions, they uh, put up new episodes every day. And then finally, of course, um, reading Twitter uh, through the course of the conventions has been really amazing um, because you see so many immediate reactions and real-time conversations about what we're seeing. Uh, and that larger social interaction has obviously been an essential piece of my own experience of these conventions. Um, so like when Hillary accepted the nomination and obviously became the first woman to do so, um, I didn't have to wait to see what it meant for certain friends or certain groups of people. I got to experience it with them in real time and kind of sharing the emotions of that moment um, on a large scale. Uh, so yeah, that's been my experience of these um, conventions over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've been completely geeking out and watching them pretty obsessively, um, reading and listening to everything I can about them. Um, and this kind of feels like the way that we that we take in these events nowadays. Um, stream them live if you want to, catch them on YouTube if you want to, tweet about them, listen to podcasts, all that kind of thing. Did you all take in much of the conventions over the last couple of weeks? Brent, my headphones and computer and cell phone have been exactly the same as yours. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been listening to Keep It 1600, the NPR Politics Podcast, and, like, watching stuff on YouTube. And, yeah, it's been very... Like, it's been fascinating to be able to hear all these different pieces, and I think you said it super well about all the different perspectives that are being offered and how valuable they all are. Um, I wasn't really watching the live streams, but I was every night very just watching the whole thing happen through Twitter. So watching, basically I was just watching my Twitter feed of people who were watching the speeches. <laughs> um, and so hearing the choice quotes and seeing clips on Twitter, I follow Hillary's Twitter account. So he seeing clips that she released on her Twitter account. Um, yeah, it was very exciting from a pop culture perspective. Um, I would recommend people check out John Oliver has a little bit that he put out recently mm -hmm. on his show last week tonight about the use of pop songs at political conventions. Um, his point is that, you know, so often politicians use pop songs from artists who are in direct opposition to their political standpoints. So, for instance, at the RNC this past year, you know, they used a lot of they used songs from Queen, who they sh 
they shouldn't have. <laughs> they just shouldn't have. <laughs> they also don't have rights a lot of times. Like, right. Artists will expressly say, do not use our songs, and they're still being played at campaign events. Um, yeah, so I would, I would recommend checking out John Oliver's piece about that because it's very funny. I followed it on Twitter. I followed it on Twitter as it was happening, and then um, would kind of catch YouTube videos, the, catch the highlights on YouTube later. Um, and I think it, I think it just uh, it definitely it definitely depends on your Twitter feed. Like if you don't have people who are you know very in on the the different conventions, um, then you're probably not going to get a great a great view of what's going on. But um, I feel like I have a I feel like I am follow a respectable amount from either side. And I think I got very mixed views on what happened. But what rewatching kind of the stuff on YouTube was definitely interesting to see versus what people were saying on Twitter. I think I think that was kind of interesting. Yeah, events like yeah. these for me are always like a strong reminder that Twitter can be a really amazing um, resource for like news and for different perspectives. And obviously now, like so often when there are uh, major crises or like tragedies in the country twitter's often like the first place people go to get the most like honest and accurate information but during these conventions i've been really aware that um the danger of twitter is that it is essentially like a news feed that you have like personally collated and picked and chosen mm -hmm. and so um i think sometimes the danger of twitter can be like if your Twitter feed is really homogenous, then it can be easy to think like, oh, this is how everybody in the country feels about this thing that's happening, or this is what everybody's talking about right now. When in reality, it's like, no, I just chose a lot of, I've just, over the years, I've chosen a lot of people who would be talking about this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Even like, I remember when Pokemon Go came out, I immediately followed like three different Pokemon Go memes. And so for a couple weeks, my Twitter feed was like full of tons of Pokemon Go memes. And it just like, I remember it kind of started me thinking like, man, everybody's talking about Pokemon Go and you hop on Twitter and it's like, <laughs> everybody's talking about it. And I just realized like, oh no, I just chose a ton of Pokemon Go accounts to follow. And I really have no sense of like whether like my parents are aware of this. And so these conventions are always a reminder for me too of like, Twitter can be an amazing way to get different perspectives, but it can also be a way to really skew your perspective where you don't really have a strong sense of how like, we as a culture, a broad culture, are reacting to things. Totally agree. The closest thing, I think, out of all the conventions, um, RNC and DNC, that felt like a consensus from the the pieces of uh, friends and uh, networks that I have on the left and on the right, um, was it seemed like a lot of people were very uh, affected by Obama's uh, speech during the DNC. Um, it was like 45 minutes and it seemed like even, uh, some people that I know that are very much, uh, you know, not a fan of his presidency and the way things have been going. Um, I think it's pretty hard to argue that he's not a good orator. <laughs> and so there were parts of it that were very, uh, I saw friends of mine that are, um, very staunchly Republican and very staunchly, uh, democratic that were both like, wow, that was a, that was a really good speech. And so that was one that I went back and I watched, um, all the way through on YouTube the next day. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for your uh, submissions this week. Uh, sounds like another fun week of pop culture. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our news segment. The big news this week in pop culture, of course, was San Diego Comic-Con. It took place from July 21st to the 24th. And as always, there were lots of big stories, big announcements, new trailers, all that kind of thing coming out this week. Uh, so let's just kind of open it up. Uh, what are some of the things that stood out to you? What were you most excited about? What were you uh, anticipating the most? I wasn't 
anticipating anything. I kind of forgot about Comic-Con until stuff started coming out. Um, but the thing that has gotten me the most excited is the Wonder Woman trailer. Yes. I, guys, I was so... <laughs> Sorry, that was just background music. <laughs> That's okay. I was not interested in DC when Man of Steel came out, when uh, Batman vs. Superman came out. Um, until we watched it, I was very out on DC and now I'm in, I'm in on DC guys. <laughs> Yay. I, I'm not going to say that I trust the people in the DC universe to make amazing content, but I'm now interested in what they're making and like planning on seeing the things that they're coming out with, which is a big growth from yeah. me from where I used to be in relation to DC. Um, and a, a big part of that is obviously Suicide Squad, which had a trailer at Comic-Con, which I've been excited about all summer. But seeing this trailer for Wonder Woman has got me like revved up. I, I thought it was a really badass trailer. Um, it looked exciting and entertaining and really awesome. So yeah, that that did it for me. I think one of the interesting things that they're doing is, even though I feel like it still has like Zack Snyder's, I don't know, glare all over it. Um, I feel like they're really letting these directors kind of do their own thing and really own their product, which I feel like is something that Marvel hasn't done. Um, are a lot of Marvel, all I'd say all of Marvel's movies are, um, kind of cookie, cookie cutter out of the Marvel factory, have the same look and feel, have the same kind of tones and stuff like that. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's not what DC's doing. I feel like they're just kind of letting their their directors roll with it, for better or for worse. We'll see how that uh, how that all works out. But sure. not a fan of anything Zack Snyder had did with it. But um, this at least lets Patty Jenkins have a you know have a crack at it and giving lets us actually see her style as opposed to pulling in a an unknown director to just fit the cookie cutter mold. Yeah, I felt very empowered by just like. What we saw in this trailer, you know, hopefully the movie lives up to what this has promised us. Um, yeah, I, I, I was really excited and felt really strongly yeah, about it. Yeah, I have high hopes for it, for sure. Because Blockbuster, uh, superhero movies, and because all these things are such, like, can be a boys club sometimes, and, like, take that perspective very much for granted as the perspective of their audience, are my hope, and I think what you're saying your hope is, is that they really push against that and try to make sure that not only the subject matter being filmed, but the like perspective of the entire story being told uh, matches up with the source material. Yeah. Knowing that all of us have watched Batman Superman, how much, how great was it to see like humor and levity and all of those things existing in this trailer and in the Justice League trailer? Like, it was just, it was so encouraging. It made me think, and maybe this is just what maybe they're just course correcting and they want me to think this, but it made me think that, okay, maybe Batman, Superman and Superman were just like both really dark movies. Cause that's supposed to be kind of a dark chapter of this larger story, but the larger story is actually really fun and we'll all have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> um, I don't think that's it's probably corporate course correction, but like, because these looked so much more promising, I was saying to me, they, they pulled off this vibe of like, we, we feel like we know what we're doing. The Justice League trailer to me made it seem like, okay, we got to put every joke possible in this trailer, and they right. ran and they ran out of jokes. It was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I was like, yeah, there are some funny stuff in that trailer, but it's like they they threw everything they could in there to make it seem like it wasn't all dark and scary and you know just a slog. So we'll see. To me, it felt we'll like see. they had no like special effects shots yet, so they were just showing 
it seemed like all two dialogue or three long, stuff. Yeah, two or three long dialogue scenes, and that mm-hmm. was it. One uh, podcast that I listened to called The Watch, I they were talking about this trailer, and I just wanted to repeat their um, like anecdote about it, is that they said it's very, like, Ocean's Eleven, this trailer for Justice yeah. League. That scene with Gal Gadot and... Um, with Wonder Woman and Batman, mm-hmm. when she's like, did he say yes? And he's like, more or less. And she's like, more, more or less, less. It was a very Danny Ocean, like, yeah. that's true. Yes. Rusty dialogue. Um, and you even have, like, the Ezra Miller character, like, kind of fulfilling, like, maybe a Matt Damon-esque kind of character in that scheme of the team. Um, and, and it is about, like, a team coming together, you know? So that's what that that's the vibes that i agreed with that i thought this trailer was giving us yeah i really like that i i do think that like because zack snyder is directing the justice league movie that maybe we're seeing these vibes in the trailer but i don't i don't have faith that it's going to be pulled through the entire film yeah yeah i just say we recast oceans 11 with justice league characters that's all (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with that Um, The other big Comic-Con superhero news was that Brie Larson was cast as Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I understand the boo. I understand that she's not, like, super, super, I don't know. Her build doesn't seem like, I'm going to go kick ass. She's more like, this is a traditional pick for a female superhero person. But... As an actress, I think she's going to do an incredible job in that role. Well, yeah. 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 I, th- yeah, I think she's going to have some great talking scenes that she'll do really well in. But the physicality <laughs> of it is, it's, it's like if they cast Daniel Radcliffe as Superman. Like, everybody be like, oh, yeah, he can definitely, okay. he can definitely Sign play. Sign me like... up for Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> as Superman. Sandra's I in line. Sandra's already buying her ticket. I wanted that until this moment. <laughs> that might be my dream superhero. All right, you would all right. still be the boy who lived. Yeah. All right. Let's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Daniel cast Daniel Radcliffe in anything as far as I'm concerned. But, all right, all right. Um, but it's just like it's just like yeah, you're gonna cast like a tiny little person to play, I don't know, the great one of the greatest superheroes of all time. I don't Swiss know, Army it's just, Superman. It's just not not believable, not believable. But it's whatever, it's whatever. Yeah. I th- I think she'll do a great job. I I think she's fantastic. I just wish they'd cast somebody else. They can make her one and one quarter scale with special effects, and then oh she'll be super big and imposing. Uh, I will say that, like, I felt the same way about Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Lucas. Mm-hmm. I think we may have, like, talked about this yep. before. Um, and I feel very, like, proven wrong by that casting. Um, so my my hope... My thing is Gal Gadot, even though she's not big, she is an athletic person. She very much is, yeah. Yes. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, if maybe that is something that can be brought out of Brie Larson that we just haven't had a chance to see yet. Like, Yeah, you guys saw that picture of J.K. Simmons, right? <laughs> right. Like, oh, God. <laughs> people can change their physicality. Yeah. I, it is interesting to compare, like, I remember one of the... Um, Back when it it felt like Pixar and DreamWorks were both kind of, like, establishing their brands, one of the comparisons would all, that would often be made is... It felt like DreamWorks did a lot of stunt casting where they would just get whoever the A-list celebrities were to voice their main characters, even if mm-hmm. it felt um, like totally irrelevant to the role. Whereas it felt like Pixar would often choose less known actors or actors whose careers were not like in the spotlight, but would be absolutely perfect for their roles. And it does feel to some extent like there's a similar difference between the Marvel and DC movies where Marvel, so many of the heroes they're casting are just 
really phenomenal kind of A-list actors, um, whether or not it's like a perfect fit for the role. Whereas DC, I mean, you look at the list of um, even the folks Momoa, they've cast Ezra for the Miller. Justice League movie. Yeah. Many of them have become major stars, but like Henry Cavill, when he was cast, had not had a ton of major roles. Jason Momoa, um, even Gal Gadot, a lot of these people, like these are not actors who at the time were like A-listers, but who I think, whether or not the films have been successful, at least have have performed well. Uh, I mean, even like Ezra Miller, somebody I love, but who has not had a huge a lot of starring roles. Um, so I got to hand it to the DC folks that I think they make some some bolder and more interesting choices in their casting. Agreed. I think Marvel. I think that's a recent development for Marvel, though, because I think yeah. these these movies were star makers for Chris Evans and for Chris uh, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, like they when, were not known. Like they had had roles before, but they were not stars on this level before. I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. was the only big name that they had going in. Agreed. I remember seeing a blind eye we're not a blind eye but a, a piece about when they cast thor being like you know they cast these unknowns chris hemsworth and tom hiddleston and like they were two very very unknown actors when that movie came out mm-hmm. yeah but now with like benedict cumberbatch and tilda swinton and brie larson like they are getting a little bit higher in the clout yeah 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 <laughs> they just cast an oscar winner to be a superhero so um <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other big comic-con pieces that we want to go over new doctor strange trailer but nothing much to say about it except that i liked it and yeah anybody else lawson and lucas you're both the actual i would say you're probably the biggest comic book readers in the bunch were there any actual comic book developments that caught your attention i feel like a lot of the comic-con news that comes out is movie and tv related um and everyone who's there for comics is just really there just to celebrate comics and not a lot of like big news happens at that point in time um but one one thing i am excited about that we haven't talked about is um based on neil gaiman's book uh, american gods the tv show oh, is coming out on stars yes um so the, i'm excited about that too yeah, Lucas. so the trailer dropped for that and so again everything is the next game of thrones but this could be the next game of thrones so the casting for this series has just been so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every day I hear about a new cast member getting added that I'm really pumped about. Re- most recently, Kristen Chenoweth was yep. added. Yep. Oh, wow. So if you, if, if you guys haven't read American Gods, it's basically the story of um, kind of a, as, as America has you know, become a thing and grown um, all of like the old like Norse gods and, um, you know, African gods and, you know, Native American gods and stuff like that have kind of come over with, you know, their people and have kind of been left behind for the gods of like media and, you know, you know, obesity and that, kind of, that, that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of a, it's an interesting look at, 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 at the American life and um, kind of the new American gods. Um, but it's so there are actual physical representations of, of all these guys. Yeah, it's exactly. like a mythological. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it's de- modern story. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would I would definitely definitely read that book if you get a chance before, before this TV show comes out because I think it's going to be really really great. All right, well, let's move into our main topic for the week. Uh, This week, we are talking about the new Netflix original series, Stranger Things, which premiered on July 15th and has already garnered a ton of buzz. Um, After a young boy vanishes and a young girl with telekinetic powers appears in small town Indiana in the 1980s, 
You'll see many more than one reference to the works of names like Spielberg and Stephen King in this eight-episode series directed by Matt and Ross Duffer. Uh, this week we all watched all of Stranger Things. We had a very strict rule um, in our group text that we were not going to discuss any of our reactions to it until this podcast. Uh, so what we want to do is, first we're just going to share some real quick initial thoughts that are going to be spoiler-free to kind of let you know our immediate reactions to the show. But pretty quickly we're going to move into a spoiler-filled discussion of the show so we can get into all the little nooks and crannies through all eight episodes. So before we talk spoilers... Um, let's give some reactions. You know, we all watch the show, and I'm sure we all have feelings about it, but before we start, I want to ask a question that the character Eleven, played by Millie Bobby Brown, asks Mike, played by uh, Finn Wolfhard. What is... friend? Just kidding. Uh, all right, let's give some initial <laughs> someone reactions. Someone who's there for you when the rain starts to pour. Someone who's there for you like you've been there before. Oh my before. gosh. <laughs> all right, Lawson, let's start with you. What were What's your just a, initial reaction to Stranger Things? Um, I think it's very similar to the show, friends. Um, no, it's, <laughs> I loved this show from the very first episode. I was all in just the directorial prowess of this show, the way that it, it is an incredible throwback to these wonderful kind of wonder filled, um, 80 shows, um, or 80s movies had me completely, I mean, just hook, line and sin- hook, line and sinker. I loved all of the performances I was seeing, I loved the performances of, uh, I thought the child actors that they found were phenomenal. Um, I loved the way that they played out their friendship. Winona Ryder is completely captivating in this show. Um, and uh, all the vestigial characters, not vestigial characters, but all of the uh, the characters that at first you don't know how big of a role they're going to play in, that end up playing larger roles throughout the rest of the show all just did such a great job. And they did, this show... Um, pulls you in with this uh, tone of like caring about these characters and having this huge mystery that you can't wait to know more about um, from the from the very start. And so um, I I love Super 8. I love E.T. I love um, I've seen, you know, several Stephen King uh, miniseries kind of like this. And this was just right up my alley. Um, granted, the main protagonist is a straight white boy. So I know that that's part of it. Um, the nostalgia was very much catered for my demographic, but um, be that though it may, I I really enjoyed Stranger Things. All right, Sandra, what about you? So I I want to speak to people who like me um, are really turned off by the idea of like horror films or the horror genre. Um, I, I would consider myself part of that group. Okay, yeah, I never watch horror movies. I can't watch TV shows that are too scary or violent so you're not gonna see me watching american horror story um even shows like game of thrones and the walking dead are like a little too intense for my taste um so i was a little bit nervous going into this because i've heard that it's an intense show and i i do want to say that it is intense and i was thoroughly scared throughout large portions of this show um but I had such a great time watching it and I wouldn't classify it as technically horror. It, no. it definitely is scary, but um, 
I feel like it's much more sensitive than your classic horror genre of I entertainment agree. is. So, so anyone who's trying to decide whether or not to watch this show and is listening to us before we get into spoilers, I just wanted to put that out there. That, like, if I can handle it, you can probably handle it. <laughs> as far as, like, this scare factor goes. Um, I watched the majority of this show by myself in my bedroom and got thoroughly spooked but i didn't have any nightmares and that's a really good sign so <laughs> i i kind of just wanted to say that before we got into spoilers otherwise uh other i also just say it was really fun i thought i had a great time watching it i thought it was amazing and i'll go more into my thoughts on it later yeah i definitely would say fun is the perfect word for this i definitely like as you said i the, the trailer makes this look like a horror movie but as you said this is this is not a horror or show not not movie this is not a horror show this is um i feel like this is more of like a sci-fi thriller um because it does take more of a deeper look at the kind of the feelings of the character and, and like like you said it's a little more sensitive there um as opposed to just you know in it for the scares um i feel like a lot of these characters aren't as fleshed out as i wanted them to be um but most of the way through it didn't really matter <laughs> um i thought i thought that i thought they did a really great job of casting i thought the people in this um the like all the kids basically it's split it's split, split into like three sections you have like the little kids who are how old are they they're like 12 i guess they're around like 10 or yeah 10 or 12 yeah yeah so you have that group of kids that and then you have kind of the high school kids and then you have the kind of adults um, and that's kind of how the story, the story is split up as well. But I think, I think casting on all fronts, um, they did a fantastic job. Really, really good. I would agree with all of the kind of praise that's been given to the show. Um, I think there's a lot that is, um, not just competently, but like really effectively and powerfully done. Um, it looks phenomenal, both in the camera work and the special effects. Um, there are genuinely emotionally satisfying moments for nearly every character, and I'll agree that it's um, it's very um, kind of tight in the way that it that every character ends up having an important role to play or some important character moment. But overall, my reaction was that I just thought it was good, not great. Um, I guess I feel like there's so much entertainment out there that is doing like really exciting, interesting new stuff that if someone's going to create something that feels um, largely like an homage, um, I want them to do like a really damn good job of it in a way that feels like, oh, this was this was necessary and important and new. Um, you know, we're living in a time where um, I feel like there's no good reason to just settle for entertainment that's like merely fine and satisfying, except maybe to be part of a cultural conversation, which can be really fun and I mean can like can really amplify the experience of a show. Um, you know, but I feel like if I were watching this like in the 80s and in a time when maybe you didn't have a ton of channels to choose from and you couldn't just watch any TV show you wanted, like if this were a miniseries during the summer in a time when this was just what everybody was going to watch, I would have had a blast with it. But even as I was, like when I would log on to Netflix um, to like turn this on, it was like sitting on the shelf next to all these other, even just other Netflix original series like Orange is the New Black, which has this incredibly diverse cast, um, Master of None, that's got an Indian American protagonist, um, Grace and Frankie, which is about like older adults, which is a demographic we rarely see. And so I just kind of perpetually felt like, ah, uh, like there's just other more interesting stuff I want to see. Or even like if I'm going to watch like a monster movie or a summer adventure, um, why don't like I can just go find E.T. or I can find Goonies or I can kind of find one of the classics that this is like 
giving tribute to. Um, so yeah, maybe I was like too distracted thinking about other things, but at the ripe old age of 27, I just find that I'm kind of perpetually dealing with that stress of like, I'm only going to be able to watch so many TV shows or so many movies in my lifetime. Um, and I just always really want to watch the ones that, um, that I feel like are doing something best or doing something most effectively. But again, all that to say, like this was really like enjoyable summer entertainment. This is the perfect time of year to watch it. Um, and it is fun that everybody's kind of getting into it and talking about it. So at the risk of sounding entirely negative, I did have a great time with this show. I found myself always, whenever, because, you know, we all decided to talk about it on the podcast this week, so I knew I had to finish it by today. Um, I found myself not wanting to watch the episodes, like, dreading getting them started, just because of how intense I found them, and, like, um, but then once I did start the episodes, I couldn't take my eyes away, and I as soon as one would end, I was so excited for the next one to start. So it was a weird contrast for me all week being like dreading jumping into this, not because of quality of the entertainment, but just because of like how much I knew I would have to invest. And then once I did commit, just being so happy I did. So before we move into yeah. spoilers, I guess this is kind of something I was like getting at in my in my initial comment. And that is so often when shows like this are brand new and get a lot of buzz kind of the question that's in the back of my mind is like is this a show that people will be talking about five years from now like will people look back on this and say like oh i'm still watching this or i'm still excited about it this is still interesting or will I, it kind of just be something that was buzzed so i'm curious yeah do y'all think people will be talking about this in five years i don't know if people will be talking about this necessarily but i do think people will be talking about the duffer brothers i think this Absolutely. is as, as like yeah. kind of, this is one of their you know starting things like i think they've i think they they learned a lot here like like watching this i feel like they learned a ton from this and they're gonna go on to do better things um and i'm really excited to see kind of what what comes next from them they've done yeah. they've done a, they've done some writing on uh wayward pines um and they directed um a, a smaller movie last year um uh, but this is I, th I think this this definitely like propelled them to stardom and uh I'm excited to see what comes next. Also, all these kids. I feel like we're going to see mm -hmm. all these kids go on to do really great work. Yeah, And absolutely. I think that this is always going to be, like, remembered as the start of, like, a lot of amazing talent. I hope so. Yeah. The uh, kind of a, a resurgence for Winona Ryder. I've heard so much buzz about people saying, like, I don't remember ever seeing Winona Ryder, in, or I haven't seen her in stuff in so long, and she's just magnetic, in the, and I completely agree. I think this will be a good... Uh, launching point for her to do other work if she's interested in getting back into that in a big way. I think David Harbour as well. I think people know oh, who he is like absolutely. by his face, but I think this this thing actually like gave him a name. Like I think people are going to know his name now. David Harbour plays um the sheriff in this show. Chief Hopper. Yeah, Chief Hopper and this is probably my favorite performance of this entire show and he's so incredible in it and um yeah, I, he's, like you said, Lucas, he's been in other, he's been in some movies and TV series. Most recently, I know him from the newsroom, mm -hmm. um, where he was doing, you know, just a fine job. And this, he is just another level for him that I've never seen. And I'm really, really excited about him getting some really, really meaty roles after this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, he's always got, he's been in a ton of, like, big stuff. Like, he was in, um... Quantum of Solace. He was in End of Watch. He was in Black Mass. But but just in kind of like basic generic, you know, background kind of guy. 
He's always like right. one of the one of the characters that doesn't really say a lot, doesn't really do a lot, doesn't really have anything to do with the plot very much. Um, but I think this is really gonna propel him into stardom. I do want to say, obviously, the soundtrack has gotten a lot of attention. I love the soundtrack very much, and I plan so I absolutely plan to buy it when it's released. Um, but this was another element to me that just felt sort of unoriginal. I mean, I joked earlier um, when we were talking that I've had the soundtrack to It Follows stuck in my head all morning. Um, or all week, just because there's a lot of overlap there. But even there's just a lot of overlap with other kind of um, horror films and other like adventure films from the 80s. So... All that to say, I loved the soundtrack. I was vaguely aware that it didn't feel entirely original, but I will absolutely be streaming it a lot when it's out. And I should say, like I like, it, I mentioned the critici- my criticism at the beginning being like, there's other things I want to watch instead of this. Obviously, like that's not a criticism of the quality of this show itself by any means. Like, like I was saying, I think it's really competently done, um, and so it's almost kind of unfair to say like. I'm going to give this a negative review because I would rather be watching shows about different kinds of people. And I don't think that's what any of us are trying to express. Um, So like there's the conversation of, do I want to watch this instead of watching something that might feel like it's doing something newer or telling a story that I haven't seen. And then there's the conversation of, is this doing like what it set out to do? And in terms of, is this doing what it set out to do? I would say, absolutely. Yeah. It did it like in a really effective, fun way. Yeah, let's go ahead and move ourselves into a discussion with spoilers. If you have not watched Stranger Things, I would highly recommend pushing pause on this podcast, writing yourself a little note to come back to it, and watching Stranger Things first, because we do not want to ruin any of the twists or surprises for you. Yeah, this is a show where you don't want to be spoiled. (laughs) Yeah. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember you wanted this what you said about this being like a kind of an homage and there's so much entertainment and so many stories that we're finally getting around to telling why are we telling something that's already been told (laughs) like i that's such a valid perspective and even though i know you said you felt a little bit like a party pooper even as somebody who i felt i love this start to finish i totally see what you're talking about and i agree like i'm glad that we're you know getting more stories about um it a lot more a diverse swath of humanity than what we were getting in the 80s and this feels like a throwback not just in um style and soundtrack and all that but also in kind of like the perspective of the narrator and the way it treats the main character versus all of the side characters lawson who do you think is the main character of this show okay so i view the main character of this show as finn wait um Finn Wolfhard. Mike is the character's name. Yes. So Mike is the main character, like, because that's who the show starts with and everything. And, um, but I mean, everyone gets a huge emotional arc. Winona Ryder is amazing in this. Uh, David Harper's amazing in this. Like, everyone, I, they are, I guess, pretty three equally split roles. But because it felt like to me the entry point was through Mike, like, I, that was the person that I was following as the main protagonist, in my view. Huh. I didn't feel that way at all. I okay, felt like cool. it was Agreed. very evenly distributed between Nancy and Joyce and Mike and Harp, Hopper. Like, I felt, and Eleven. And... and Eleven, yeah. True, yeah. Like, I don't feel like we had more time with any one character than another. Um, or at least of the, of the true main characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, hearing you say that, like, it's the story about another like young white boy yes the majority of this cast is white but 
I didn't feel like that particular perspective like seeping in throughout this whole story. Yeah. Um, well, just things like this, this whole series, I don't think passed the Bechdel test. Like there were, there was never, I don't think two women talking about something when it wasn't a guy. Um, and so like, I may have just been hyper critical of that because I have all my own guilt issues about my privilege or whatever. But like, I, uh, even though I love this movie and thought that there were very powerful characters of all of, you know, uh, they're African American character and Lucas and there's uh, strong female characters. It just, it wasn't like, you never saw Lucas's parents in the whole show. So like, yeah, but you didn't see any of the other kids parents. Either. I guess you only saw two of the kids parents. Yeah. So you didn't see, um, who is the other kid? Dustin. Uh, Dustin. Yeah. You didn't see Dustin's parents either. That's true. Um, I do want to point out, though, a lot has been said about how this is a throwback to, like, classic 80s films, and it's very Spielbergian, and, and that's all very accurate to say. But I do think that this series is do is doing something new in that it's telling a similar story that we've seen, but in a very new way. Um, I we, we mentioned the sensitivity earlier on, and I think that that's something that isn't being talked about that is really important. There are so many tropes that they bring up again in this series that they handle in such a sensitive way that wasn't typically handled in the 80s. So even yeah. just like um, the bullying that's happening or um, the relationship between Nancy and Steve, I think in your classic like 80s movie, Steve would have been a lot more rapey mm -hmm. and not redeemed in any way. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think in your classic 80s movie, like the homophobic slurs would have been a lot more um, like acceptable th mm -hmm. in, in the way that this in this movie, I think, treats them in like a really smart way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Makes it I think it, it makes it very realistic, but not um, exploitive. Um, There's so, I think the way that like the parents' relationship with these kids is in this movie, I think is a lot more sensitive than in anything we've ever seen in typical stories like this. I'm just very impressed with the way this material has been handled and crafted. Yeah, I agree. They did not fall into the trope. They, like, edged up to the trope of, like, the dumb, helpless parents and then went away from it. Right. And, and really I, showed some re humanity. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was just very impressed throughout the series of whenever they had an opportunity to kind of be gross or tropey in a way that like, I don't miss from 80s films. They always backed away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it, um, uh, every night or every week, uh, at my job, we have a movie night and this summer, um, we've been watching a lot of like classic eighties blockbusters just because those are like harmless and they feel comfortable to everybody. And I say they're harmless and they're not at all. Like we, so often we watch them. We're like, Oh, that was like a really homophobic moment that just happened. Or like, Oh, that was like really misogynistic. And so, yeah, Sandra, I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying that like, this is the kind of show that um, like families could watch together and be like genuinely surprised and genuinely scared. And also like the parents are not going to have to be like, oh, by the way, we don't think that anymore. We don't believe that about <laughs> queer people or about black people right. or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, in a way, this is like it's refreshing to hear this kind of story, again, this kind of story told, but like in a much more sensitive, informed kind of way. 
Speaking of Steve, I thought he looked like John Ralphio throughout this entire thing, and I love that. Yeah, that hair. <laughs> so good. Uh, that actor was in a film uh, that I loved last year called Henry Gamble's Birthday Party. It was made by a Chicago director, Stephen Cohn. He hasn't been in a ton of stuff, but he has a major role in that film. So if you just really love Joe Keery, uh, who plays Steve, and want to see him in something else, you should absolutely check out uh, Henry Gamble's Birthday Party. It's out on DVD now. Nice. So one thing, this movie was or this movie, I keep calling it a movie. Like, I feel like that's very in, in, like, reflexive with this because it's so cinematic and the way it's put together is is so great. But um, one thing with this show that I it got way creepier than I expected. I loved at the first part of it where it was kind of this, like, Spielbergian... J.J. Um, Abrams always talks about, like, the mis- this mystery box. Like, once you're trying to figure out what's going on, there's this intrigue and there's this magic to it that it's, like, so electric... When it was at that point, I was just, like, completely engrossed. But I was amazed at how much they showed stuff and, like, got explicit with the scary, creepy parts of it. And I was a lot more uh, affected than I expected to be. I thought it was going to be a lot more, like, alluded to and stuff. Um, but not only did was I surprised by how much stuff they showed and how creeped out I got, but how well they did it. I Like, all of the scarier elements I thought were stylized just so well agreed everything about the upside is the upside down what they call it yeah 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 it was just gorgeous to look at and even like especially the portals where you start to see kind of the like the like grotesque fantasy stylizing of the other world that's like erupting into our world in certain ways was like just really gorgeous um there's a few shots that are really that feel um, like they're taken almost out directly out of under the skin where you'll have like 11 standing in a oh, yeah. in a space with some kind of monster or another person and there's just it's a complete black background and those moments were really um, were really like powerful and just really cool to look at too the visuals in this movie or again movie yeah the visuals in this show um, continued to blow me away every like scene outdoors was just so gorgeously shot. I couldn't believe how beautiful the scenery was in this in this show. Agreed. One of my favorite moments of like world building was when Chief Hopper, you know, explained the last missing child yeah. we had was like in the 20s and the last suicide we had was in the 60s and two of these happened in one week and to me, that was such a like great way of explaining like stuff like this doesn't happen in this town. And like everyone is thrown off because it, this has been the most quiet, non-existent town for a long time. And it, it explains like why people are reacting mm-hmm. the way they are reacting. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think I think the one thing that didn't get a lot of explanation and didn't get a lot of world building is the government scientific whatever side of it i wish there'd been a little more um depth into kind of what they were doing and i I know they i know they explain it a little bit but it's more near the end and there isn't it it doesn't feel like there's a gradual um kind of knowledge from the from hopper's kind of perspective of what's going on i feel like it kind of gets dumped on him a lot at the end um and and i wish that had been kind of expanded upon yeah, I agree. I, For the I most got... part, this this series felt like it stood on its own feet, but there were times where it kind of just felt like the show wanted us to 
just kind of connect the dots for ourselves because we've seen all of the stuff that this was like paying homage to. So like, oh, you know, there's like a government agency doing creepy <laughs> stuff and like, just of course they're the bad guys, like figure it out. Yeah. I felt like it was pretty, maybe it was just me, but I felt like that connected pretty well with it being in the early eighties, like being the height of the cold war and stuff. Like they were trying to do experiments to spy on Russians with like their mind. I, th I think one thing I liked about this show is that, for me, I didn't need a lot of explanation. Like, I liked sort of how you just kind of accepted <laughs> that, like, this could be a thing. Yeah. And, like, I liked that the characters were just very willing to accept that this could be real. Um, yeah. Like, there wasn't a ton of, like, how could this be real? How is this happening? Like, the kids were full in. Like, oh, as yeah. soon as... Yeah, yeah. And, and even, like, a lot of the adults, like didn't take a lot of convincing. Um, and so I appreciated everyone's like willingness to buy into this reality. And part of that meant for me, I didn't need a lot of questions answered. Like I was happy with um, things being left in the dark. On the other side of that same coin, I was so uh, struck by how affecting it was whenever the son, trying to remember his name. Will? The older Will. brother, Jonathan, oh, John. Jonathan. John, whenever he uh, was, like, going to his mom and they thought that, you know, Will had died and being like, you're talking about he's talking to you through the lights and, like, he's coming through the wall, like, all this stuff. Do you hear yourself? Like, they did a really good job of, I think, keeping it grounded in reality and saying, like, this is a son who's seen his uh, mother go through a lot and is really concerned that uh, dealing with grief, like, kind of gets her a little bit unhinged. And that's how you would react. If you're like, crap, I have to be the, I'm 18 and I have to be the grown up in this situation. This is so hard. Um, and of course, whenever he figures out what's actually happening, he, they reconcile the whole thing and it turns back into the sci-fi adventure. But I thought they did a really good job of putting those notes in there to help everything feel emotionally grounded. I will say on that particular story, um, you know, the interesting thing about doing a Netflix series is there's no limit for how long this thing is. So, like, they could have chosen to make this a two-hour movie. They could have made it a full, like, 13-episode series. They could have made it even longer than that. And so it's entirely up to them, like, how long of a story do we want to tell and what pace do we want to move at? And for the most part, the pacing I really appreciated. Um, mm -hmm. I thought, like, seeing... Um, oh, I can never remember characters' names... Um, I thought seeing Nancy like slowly move um, her kind of loyalty um, from Steve to Jonathan was really interesting, and I thought that moved at a great pace. The only plot line that just nearly bored me to tears, and I might be alone here, was um, was seeing Will's mom, Joyce, um, as long as her story was, I'm communicating with my son and nobody believes me it felt like that just stretched on and on and on. And it just felt like you knew what the payoff was going to be. Like you knew eventually she's going to be proven right. And so there were just so many sequences of her, like setting up lights and communicating with the lights and um, like begging police officers or her sons or other people to believe her that I was like, oh, I'm just ready for her to like be redeemed and to be proven right. And that was the only part to me that just felt like it dragged and dragged and dragged. I, I actually really liked that, that just the, how long it took, um, kind of people to to come over to her side um, because it, it did feel kind of like like that that 80s movie where you know oh the kids have it right and the adults don't get it forever um, and 
that I think I thought that that dragged out long enough to where like she was kind of on the kid's side. They they she kind of knew what was going on and trying to figure this out. Um, and she was kind of yeah, she was one of the kids in that kind of in that kind of scenario where everyone is against her because they don't know what's going on. And I, I just yeah, really, it's her, I, her against the establishment. Exactly. Yeah. And I really I really really did like as you said like uh, Jonathan Byers her son relationship with that and him kind of coming around to it as well and i i just i loved how that played out so i didn't mind how long it went on one thing in this show that really threw me off was shannon purser's character barb like threw you off what, do you yeah. mean like bring you life she was the best thing about this show <laughs> she was no 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 she was great i was thrown off that she died in like episode three and then later on they're like we're gonna find her and you're like oh no she's still dead there's she's a, the, she's yeah, the one know, that died. That's what threw me off because I thought she was so great and such an interesting, compelling character. Yeah. And like she gets sucked into the upside down swimming pool and then she's just gone. I thought she was going to be safe. Here's my thing, guys. All those teenagers were assholes. I hated oh, those teenagers sure. so <laughs> Yeah. Much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Barb was like the only shining angel and like. <laughs> I think her light was so bright they had to kill her off because <laughs> they made good for this the world. other teenagers yes. look. She made the other teenagers look so bad. They just kind of like left her um, to die, and like how everyone is just kind of uh, like, yeah, let's go get Will. Let's go get Will. And Nancy's yeah. like, what about Barb? And they're like, oh yeah, I guess her too. Like it's just like <laughs> basically they just the, yeah. yeah the the government apparently like moved her car to like a bus stop, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I guess she ran away. It's whatever, but. <laughs> Where's Barb's school assembly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. Barb's got no school assembly. That's yeah. what made me... Well, because she ran... Because everyone thought she ran away. Yeah. Uh, but why? Why would Barb run away? Like, it makes no just sense like, at all. Like, why people The sheriff, they're just like, Barb's missing too. And he's like, no, 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 I'm on this first kid. I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I One can't case at a time is how it works in the city. Right. right. <laughs> there is a hilarious YouTube video that some comedian did. I forget his name. But it's uh, Barb's mom finding out. Um, kind of what happened to her, and it it doesn't it, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It's like forty seconds, but definitely definitely watch okay. it. Okay. Okay. While I while we're kind of maybe lamenting some of the things that were not as strong about the series, I've got to say that one of the one of the writing tools that um, annoys me to no end is when um, when characters will not divulge. Um, important information for no reason as a means of yeah as a means of <laughs> yes. just prolonging tension or drama this was my whole problem with season two of new girls which is a show that eventually i just can't or new not new girl this is my problem <laughs> with uh with season two of new girl which is a show that eventually i just had to come to peace with as like sort of farce but so much of season two the only relationship drama between nick and jess was that neither of them would ever articulate their feelings and not in like any kind of mature or like conflicted way but just they wouldn't straight up say this is how i feel and so in this series you have this character 11 who it's never completely explained like why she won't say certain things or why or she's how like much english she knows yeah how much english she knows like how much she understands um and so it just bugged me so much when there were um long long um long scenes where if she would have just like answered a question that she obviously knew the answer to um it would have just moved the plot right along but instead you just have so much tension building around like what else does 11 know um and like why yeah, won't she episode, tell these characters episode seven she's like i'm sorry i can't find them like that was a whole sentence 11 come on <laughs> my, clearly you my know what you're saying most frustrating time was when Later on in the season, when you had the three groups all working towards the same goal, but not working with each other. And 
It was oh, so yeah. just being like, y'all just all need to talk to each other. <laughs> just sit <laughs> down in a room. Would solve so much. But it wasn't a cell phone thing. It's not a technology issue. It was they just chose an unwillingness not to. to communicate. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's not yeah. like they couldn't communicate fast, like quickly. It was like Jonathan didn't want to tell his mom about the monster because she's been through enough. Right. Or like. <laughs> You know, the kids don't trust the like any adults, so they they're not sharing any information with anyone. Or like, yeah. Um, and and then you know the mom and dad, uh, you know Hopper and the mom are just like not willing. They are they're trying to take it all on themselves, even though they don't have a lot to work with. You know, it was just like everyone just needs to communicate <laughs> yep. with your family. You have to listen to Miss Wheeler, who says you can talk to me, to everyone yeah. all the time. All the, and no yeah, one ever nobody does. does. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard. That's one another reason why horror in general is hard because I feel like that is a common like plot point. It's just like people not sharing information, um, and so yeah, the, that that was definitely I was screaming at my TV quite a bit <laughs> you know, during those last few episodes. You know who shared too much information was Mr. Clark, their teacher. <laughs> that guy yes. was telling kids. All kinds of stuff, and it was it was ridiculous. It was just like, okay, one, you're not even asking why they want to know this. You're interrupt. They're interrupting your date, and you're just gonna talk on the phone to these kids about how to build. Why are you keeping whatever. this curiosity door closed? Seriously, like, what is going on? Like, why is this guy all up in these kids' business? It's ridiculous. That was a funny moment where I realized, like, if I had watched this as a kid, I would have identified with the kids in that scene and been like. Come on, you jerk teacher. Tell them what they need to know. But watching this as an adult, I was like, this teacher needs to have boundaries and he needs to tell the kids, I will tell you on Monday morning. <laughs> like, at school. I'm like, busy. <laughs> I feel like this was the writers being like, and then they go on their computer and they Google it. And they're like, oh, wait, it's the 80s. There's no Google. <laughs> like, call your science teacher. Yeah. He knows how to make a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, seriously. Like, a high, uh, what is it, middle school, exact, high school science teacher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knows exact measurements of, like, salt water to water. Yeah. Like, that makes sense to me. I, yeah, I didn't, that, you, yeah, I mean, that didn't bug me too much. I didn't mind what he knew. It was just how he was, like, explaining it and the level, like, that he went in with these kids without, like, needing to know any details about it. <laughs> While well, this woman so is still worried. sitting on the couch. I was <laughs> yeah. so worried whenever the uh, fake social services woman, like, the blonde hair woman that kills the really nice diner owner in the first episode, whenever she walks in and gives that teacher a brochure, like, do you know any kids that might want a la la la? And he's like, I have some kids in mind. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to get them. But then that never paid off. Yeah, that did never pay off. How interesting. But right. I will say I loved the use of that woman as, like, sweet older lady, mm -hmm. with, but oh, it's actually, yeah. like, really scary. Yep. She was great. Yeah. We've mentioned uh, cell phones and Google in other ways that this, like, that this series is obviously situated in the 80s. And I'll say one of the things I liked about it is it almost never felt like it was, like, really winking at you like oh don't forget it's the 1980s the only yeah. there were only two references to me that felt a little heavy-handed they were both in the last episode one is um when will wakes up in the bed and his brother's like i made you a mixtape and hands him this like big cassette tape and it's yeah. like oh yeah i remember mixtapes and then near the end he's like i think it's his birthday um and he's waiting on a He's waiting to open his presents, and he's like, I think it's going to be an Atari. And his mom's yeah. like, what's an Atari? But otherwise, <laughs> it never felt like they were just trying to, like, wink excessively at you about, like, don't we all remember the 80s and how fun they were? Yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh. That final episode was so intense. And then whenever after that scene you're talking about, Brent, when he goes back into the bathroom and, like, gets, like, 
blinked into the upside upside down. down for a second. No. I did not want that. I did not want that for a second. Like I'm part of me is like, oh cool, there's an opening for a season two, but like I wanted that to be closed and for this to be a criteria like I wanted it to be a different story next time. Yeah, yeah. so was, yeah. So did, did also, you want this to be an anthology series? Did you want it to be a season two or just a s just a mini series one and done? I want it to be an anthology. I want it to be different every season. You know, when I started the season, I wanted it to just be a complete story. And then now I want a new season because I love these characters and these mm -hmm. child actors so much. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I would, I'm so game to see more from them. Yeah. And I think that with a character like Eleven, you have so many possibilities for new storylines to keep with these characters. Mm -hmm. I feel like part of the cool thing about this town, like nothing ever happening is now like you've opened the doors for all sorts of crazy things to happen in this town. Um, all you got to do is keep feeding her egos in the woods. That was a weird thing to me was at that end was that was chief hopper, like getting into that car and trying yeah. to figure out like what that meant about his involvement and everything. Yeah. Like did, was that part of a deal that he struck with them that you didn't see on screen? Yep. Were they like picking him up and he was just resigned to the fact that like, I can't run from these people. Has he been in on it the whole time? Exactly. Like very ambiguous. Um, beautifully so. Yeah. Yeah. I am interested to see kind of what, how season two plays out. I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited to just hang out with these characters again. As I said, this whole show has just been fun, tons of fun. And, uh, that's really all I want out of season two. Um, we didn't really touch on the performance from the actress that played Eleven. And I just wanted to say how blown away I was by it. Just like her, going between being very vulnerable and very vicious mm -hmm. was so exciting. Um, I loved everything about her performance. Oh yeah. I agree. It was, she was convincing enough as the kind of vulnerable scared kid that when she has those moments where she's just a total badass, it was like entirely believable, but also like, where did this come from? Like, this is a right. totally different person that, that felt cohesive, but also was just showing like, there was a lot of nuance and diversity in that performance. That first moment when she snaps a neck of a guard, like, really was like a jaw-dropping moment for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the th final thing I want to say is that I think they did a great job designing that monster. It was super scary, super freaky, and like, just perfect for what this show was. Yeah, I think so too. I agree, and it's hard to design monsters nowadays. So often, like, that's the most disappointing part of a horror um, right. thriller kind of film is when you actually see it because it's like oh well it's just kind of a weird brown grotesque thing but yeah this one was really interesting to watch the way it moved was uh really cool and kind of electric i think something that one of the reasons it stayed scary was that it wasn't just a monster it was a monster and a terrifying reality that you could be brought into you know um like that it wasn't just like there's a monster, monster on the loose you. right yeah it was it was not only is there a monster but he can take you somewhere where you can never be found again and you might just be lost in this like evil world mm -hmm. um i think the like combining those two made that like scare factor stay up high yep the show crushed it <laughs> yeah it sounds like we all had a great time with stranger things so head over to netflix check it out um and if you do please let us know what you thought about it um feel free to reach out to us on twitter you can find us and follow us at feeling it pod let us know what you thought about stranger things or about this uh episode we always welcome your feedback we'd also love to hear reviews on itunes you can find us there 
Uh, and that is our show for this week. So let's go ahead and close out. Tell everybody who you are and where we can find you online. Sandra. I'm Sandra Amstutz. You can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Lawson. You can find me online at Lawson West on basically any social media. Lucas. Uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Lucas and Stuff. And I'm Brent Bailey. You can find me most places under the handle B-R-P-A-B-A. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye till next week. Adios. See ya. Later. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.